Hello Internet, my name's Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And this week we've got an interesting podcast. Yeah, we do, for sure. Um, I think it's interesting. Yeah, no, <laughs> I do too. This is actually, I think I suggested this. Not yet, because we haven't really got into the podcast. No. Um, this year on TV, uh, we're seeing quite an interesting year. A lot of like shows staying on the air, but lead actors leaving those shows, so they've had to find replacements um, so, uh, we've got, uh, Ashton Kutcher filling in for Charlie Sheen on Two and a Half Men. We've got, um, James Spader coming in, uh, to The Office, uh, Steve Carell left last year, and Ted Danson filling in for Lawrence Fishburne on CSI. So what you're saying is we've come up with sort of an elaborate excuse for you to finally have your Ted Danson podcast. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, uh... Yeah, no, the Ted Danson podcast, it's happening. <laughs> so the podcast will, I was briefly going over a couple of shows and then you just kind of talking about Ted Danson for a while. And uh, I'll well, come back when I, you're done. I want to say it's definitely what we're going to do, but if that's what ends up happening, I'm fine with it. Like, <laughs> um, And also, uh, at the end of the podcast, we'll be talking um, about the Emmys. Our last podcast was the Emmys podcast. and we'll I'm sure be- all of you watch the Emmys yes. after listening to our podcast. Yes. So super psyched for that. We'll give you our thoughts and um, on how the ceremony went. But that's at the end, so you've got to stay tuned for that. Uh, now we're going to talk about Ted Danson and some other people. So we'll get, let's talk about the, the actors yeah. um, that are joining these shows and what are our thoughts on them uh, before their new roles were. We have Ashton Kutcher joining Two and a Half Men. Are you much of an Ashton Kutcher fan, Matt? I am not <laughs> an Ashton Kutcher fan. I really don't like this guy. Not personally, just like anything I've seen him in. He punked you and you just never really <laughs> got over it. Yeah, no, um, this is his big return to TV, isn't it? After that 70s show sort of kicked off his career. Mm. Um, I didn't really like him in that. Um, and I haven't liked him anything since. I wouldn't really mind being punked by Ashton Kutcher. Probably means the podcast is is uh, doing well enough to be for us to be considered celebrities. Yeah, I wouldn't mind being punked uh, <laughs> by him. They'll, that'd be great. That'd be great publicity, but... I haven't enjoyed his acting things. No, what's he been in other than that 70s show? I don't even know. He like went to do movies and he let's uh let's quickly get the internet movie database fired up. So yeah, well he got to have sex with Natalie Portman in No Strings Attached. That's gotta be the highlight. Yeah, I assume it was real too. Well, it may not have been, but yeah, I'm assuming that's his career highlight, the the sex scenes with Natalie Portman. <laughs> Because there's not looking like a whole lot of highlights here on the uh, filmography. No, I don't, I, don't, I don't like him. I just think he comes across as... He doesn't have a good screen presence. What are your thoughts? I don't want to jump to his defence too quickly so as to seem like a large Ashton Kutcher fan. But I think in that 70s show, although he's very one-dimensional, I thought he could be quite funny. I remember... I saw it when I was much younger, but I didn't mind Dude, Where's My Car? It was silly, oh, but I thought he was too, funny okay, in that. Yeah. I thought he gave a decent performance in The Butterfly Effect for a more serious role. Yeah. So, I'm, I don't love Ashton Kutcher. I don't subscribe to any Ashton Kutcher newsletter. Yeah. I don't really have high expectations. What, did, what expectations do you have for Ashton Kutcher? Just get you on the record. <laughs> 
my my expectations for Ashton Kutcher would be that he would provide mild levels of comedy. I think he would be intermittently humorous. Yeah. Okay, so that's what we think about Ashton Kutcher. What do we actually think about Two and a Half Men as a show? I think Two and a Half Men is just very standard sitcom humour. It's here's the setup, here's the zinger, ha, ha, ha. Hmm. And I think every now and again they get something... It will it will work. There will be funny things. It's not an awful show, but I'd say the 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 percentage of of hits in these jokes is is quite low. It's not a show I I keep up with or, or choose to watch. Yeah, um, two and a half men I would say is a bad sitcom, um, but probably of all the bad sitcoms at the higher end of them, like it's <laughs> probably one of the best quality bad sitcoms going. Um, I agree with you. The jokes aren't very... They don't have a very good strike rate. And I would also say that they do... This is a bit of a criticism. They do resort to crass humour quite a bit. And it's not usually clever crass humour. It's usually just crass. To be honest, um, actually, I thought the funniest episode I've ever seen of Two and a Half Men was the episode that was written by the CSI writers. Because <laughs> they did an episode where they got the CSI writers to write an episode of Two and a Half Men, and the Two and a Half Men writers wrote an episode of CSI. And actually, I think the Two and a Half Men writers did a better job on CSI than they do on Two and a Half Men. <laughs> and I think the CSI writers did a better job on Two and a Half Men than the writers of Two and a Half Men. So, there you go. <laughs> and we'll be talking about CSI in a bit too. But um, the... The uh, the office. Uh, have we talked enough about Two and a Half Men? I think we have. We didn't say anything about Charlie Sheen. He got really a lot of controversy happened. So what he decided to do was give a lot of interviews, and it, these were just these interviews where he rambled about nonsense and chain smoked and everything. And I, I this was very disappointing because for four years now, uh, the team at Mad Men and John Hamm have. Uh, done so much work to make smoking look cool again and fedora and fedora wearing look cool again and charlie sheen really undid all that work with his uh, chain smoking fedora wearing rants i think the best thing you can do when you've been accused of crack rock smoking shenanigans is to smoke a bunch of crack and then do nationally televised interviews yeah. while on said crack yeah uh, so he certainly dug himself out of that hole. And this culminated in a Comedy Central roast. Oh, I didn't see this, actually. It was The highest of honours that the yeah. television industry the, can the, bestow upon you. On a disgrace personality. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the the peak of the roast was the quote to, to Charlie Sheen, Now you know how Bruce Willis feels with your old slot being filled by Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> so that's two and a half men. Yeah. The second show that we have with a uh, cast change, yes. switcheroo. The American Office. Yep. Mm. Uh, Steve Carell. Have yep. you heard of him? I have heard of him. Uh, pretty amazing guy. <laughs> like, um, yeah, he, he's been on the show for, what, seven years now. Just incredible. This is, for mind one of the great comedic performances of the past 10 years. Michael Scott. He came on uh, Triple J recently. Yeah. Uh, I think to plug his new movie, Crazy Stupid Love. Yeah. 
And a lot of people were texting in. Uh, the announcer got people to say or what they liked him in, um, yeah. why they were Steve Carell fans, whatever. And overwhelmingly, the uh, most popular performance from Steve Carell... Evan Almighty. <laughs> close. Was Brick in Anchorman. <sighs> yeah, okay. That was funny. Uh, when this was brought up, if I was Steve Carell, I'd feel a little insulted by that. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, you you were on seven seasons of, you know, one of the most popular comedy shows, The Office, but some fans of the radio show liked you most in a small bit part you had in a movie ten years ago. Yeah, they didn't even go with The 40-Year-Old Virgin, which is a movie <laughs> that he wrote and starred in. Like, they, they went with the, the supporting performance. Yeah. So some people might not have been that disappointed that he left the show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, look, I, I think that the... Yeah, I, I just think this is such a good performance that he has given. I think, like, um, because he was an idiot and he was... Um, he was an idiot and he was pathetic and that means comedy gold. <laughs> but he also had, like, a depth. He was someone that you could care about because he cared about and had love for the people he was working with and sometimes did have a sort of fatherly role with the people in the office. I think one of the best examples of that was when he buys one of Pam's... That's my favourite of office moment, I think, um, where uh, Pam is a nut show. She's being teased by Oscar's boyfriend and she just feels really low because no one's come to support her at the art show. Not even Jim rocks up. <laughs> um, and, this is, and, and Michael comes at the end... He says he's proud of her. He buys his artwork. So, um, yeah, he's a like he's got that stupid idiot side to him, but he's also got that caring and just the fact that he was able to play those both so convincingly in the same character is really. I think I don't think I've seen that necessarily done that well by perhaps anyone else on TV, like ever. So we're pretty big fans I'm of Steve Carell. I'm a huge fan of, not just Steve Carell, but this performance. These are much larger shoes in our eyes to be yes. filled. Yeah, yeah. And so the actor that's being brought in to replace some of the hole left by Steve Carell is James Spader. Yes. Do you have any thoughts on on him? Well, I, I think you might agree with me. I'm a huge fan of James Spader from uh, his days on The Practice and Boston Legal as Alan Shaw. He was so he was funny. He was just had these great speeches, and he was just such a cool character. You know, I'm a huge James Spader fan. Yeah, I think Boston Legal is one of my favorite shows. The relationship between Alan Shaw, Denny Crane, yeah. is, uh, James Spader, and um, William Shatner. William Shatner. One of my favorite things I've been able to see on TV. Mm. I have pretty huge expectations from Alan Spader. He's won how many Emmys? He won three. One for the practice, two for Boston Legal. It was the same character in both shows. Um, so, yeah, no, he's... He's really popular, with, popular with the critics. Mm. Big, big favourite of mine. And, uh, interesting, he came into the practice in season eight. <laughs> uh, won the Emmy uh, for that season. Uh, it was the last season of the practice. Then he got the spin-off from that show, Boston Legal. Um, he's come into the office season eight. I don't know. Will history repeat itself? Will he win the Emmy for this? And will he will he get a spin-off out of this this show? 
If you want to get your bets in early, yeah. you could probably get some yeah. some decent odds at this stage. Will lightning strike twice for James Spader? But yeah, no, so... Uh, it's perhaps if you had uh, said Steve Cross leaving the office to bringing someone new in, like a few months ago, James Spader would probably not have been the name that would have come to our minds. No. It's an interesting choice. Definitely not anything like Steve Carell. No, I don't think he's from the same background. However, I think with Boston Legal, you do have those elements of drama and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is why, because of the reasons that you like Steve Carell's performance, Mm. James Spader could actually surprisingly be someone well fit. Yeah. Oh, for sure. But a very different sort of personality and, and presence than Steve Carell. Yes. Even though he can do both those things. So that... I, I was definitely intrigued by James Spader on The Office. Should we uh, go over to CSI now? Yes, the third yeah. show we have. Yes. With a cast change. Uh, this one's a bit interesting because... Well, they're all interesting. But um, William Peterson was the lead on CSI for, I think, nine and a half seasons. It was a while. Okay, he was there from day one um, as Gil Grissom. Very popular character with the CSI fan base. And he left, he said, oh, I want to just focus on other things now. I think he went to Broadway, did a play and things. And they replaced him with Lawrence Fishburne. And that did not go that well. Like, the show's ratings went down. I think people yeah. were just disappointed that he didn't wear those glasses without the frames. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So, <laughs> they were very disappointed with that. They stopped shooting into CSI. Um, the ratings went down. The critics didn't like liked it less and things. Um, so they just announced quite recently that he would not be returning. It's a bit unclear. The articles I read whether that was uh, Lawrence Fishburne's call or the producer's call. Uh, but he's not returning. And they said he's going to be replaced by Ted Danson or Sam Malone from Cheers <laughs> is going to be coming in and uh, filling in CSI. This is an interesting choice. This is where I... Leave. I'll just I'll just go put on put the kettle on and I'll come back in about half an hour. Well, before I because I think people know I'm a fan of Ted Dancers. What do you think about Ted Dancing, Jonathan? Well, he started with Cheers as his first big yeah. TV presence. It's a show that I'm not a huge fan of. I think it's perhaps dated a little. I don't particularly dislike it, mm-hmm. but never something that I felt like catching up on. Mm-hmm. Then he was in Becca. Yeah. I watched quite a bit of that when I was younger. Watching it now, mm, yeah, I can see why there's a, uh, he gets a bit of, bit of stick for that. <laughs> then a show we both like, Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, yeah. He made a few appearances in that. Massive douche in that. He's meant to be. He's meant to be. There's characters that you love to hate, and then there's characters that you just hate. And for me, he was the second one. I didn't really love to hate him. I was just annoyed by his douchiness. So, at this point, I'm not not too big a Ted Danson fan. But then, started watching Damages, which I think is probably currently the best drama on TV. Other than Mad Men. No, including Mad Men. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's why I didn't say other than Mad Men. I just kind of left it <laughs> with the full stop. Um, and although he's not doesn't play a prominent role in that so much now as opposed to the first season, I still love him in that. And the second show he's in Bored to Death, mm-hmm. 
which is uh, also one of my favourite comedies, him with Zach Galifianakis yeah. and um, Jason Schwartzman. Mm. So I'm being brought around to the to Ted Danson. Yeah. I He's on the rise in your mind. He's definitely at the peak point in his career at the moment. I think the whiter his hair gets, the better his yeah. performances have been. Do you think that's generally true for actors? Oh, Larry David. I reckon Curvy Enthusiasm, he started with kind of, uh, yeah. uh, kind of gray, more greyish hair. And I reckon the show's probably at least got better from the first season as okay. his, his hair's lightened. There you go. I am a real big fan of Ted Danson. Um... <laughs> Cheers, Sam Malone, the lovable sort of ladies' man bartender. Great in that. Uh, um, uh, Becker, the sort of grumpy curmudgeon doctor. Okay, he was great in that. Um, Curb Enthusiasm, the sort of lovable douche. And I'm not saying that we love him, but he seems to be beloved in the show by everyone. Everyone's like, oh, Ted Danson's so amazing, but he's really a douche. So, um... Uh, damages the evil uh, billionaire tycoon. Um, bored to death, the eccentric uh, magazine writer. These are five, I think, great performances. I don't think Becker was a great show, but I do think <laughs> Ted Danson was very good in it. Five very great performances and five very different performances. Like he mixes it up, Ted Danson. I I would perhaps go as far to say he is perhaps the best TV actor of the past <laughs> however many years, like perhaps of all time, because he is, oh. maybe, because he's played five very different characters very well. He, it's not like he's played the same character in every show. That's a big claim. Yeah. The greatest but, television actor of all time. Who has played five very different, but very, like, well-acted, like, performances on TV? I can't think of one. So that's why I'm going with him. Uh, it is fair saying that on Curb Enthusiasm, he is just a guest. So he's only been in about 12 episodes of that. Yes. yes. Um, but, but no, I'm really impressed by him. So I was very excited, um, especially someone who had stopped watching CSI when Lawrence Fishburne took over. It br- has brought me back to CSI. So of all the shows, perhaps, you could be most excited for in terms of the change, this one. Yeah, because you've gone off CSI, but Ted Danson, yeah. the greatest television actor of all time, <laughs> joins the cast. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah, I was very excited by that. I've watched. I used to watch CSI every now and again. Not so much recently. I think it was an okay show. I kind of tire of the of mm-hmm. procedural shows yeah. that are kind of mm. that don't have an on-running storyline, just kind of different case each week. But they're all kind of usually the same. CSI season seven. They do a season-long murder. Get into that one. That yeah. was really good. That was the best season of CSI. Just, just for the listeners who want to get a CSI DVD, season seven. That kind of proved my point then, if I don't really like the procedural style. Yeah. The one season that isn't that style is the best season. Yeah, good point. Yeah. So I, I wouldn't usually be watching CSI. Ted Danson, I, I, I suppose it piqued a little bit of interest. Um yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll get into talking about the shows now because yeah. we watched the first episode of all of these seasons. So we're going to see their Who, immediate impact on the yeah. show, how it changed right away. Yeah. Will they improve the show or whether that's it, they're done. Yeah. 
Uh, let's start off with the big one everyone's talking about. Two and a half men. Ashton Kutcher's big, naked uh, entrance onto that show. Um, what what did you what did you think, Jonathan? Well, the show only lasted twenty minutes, and Ashton Kutcher doesn't <laughs> arrive till about nine or ten minutes in. Yes. <laughs> so the the episode opens with Charlie Sheen's funeral. Yes. And for the first ten minutes of the show, I didn't laugh once. I thought it was very crude, very mm-hmm. obvious. Uh, I wasn't really enjoying the show. So by the time Ashton Kutcher arrived, I was pretty excited to see him because hopefully it will be different. So Ashton Kutcher turns up. He's at he he's dripping he's dripping wet because he's just thrown himself into the ocean trying to kill himself. Mm. But he's come out of the ocean because he didn't realize the water would be that cold. Yeah, which I thought was a pretty that's pretty a funny. funny. Yeah, that's pretty funny. That was the first time I laughed. And so we learned that he's this uh, broken-hearted billionaire. Yeah, and um, he's kind of consoled by uh, John Cryer, and they have some interesting dialogue because John Cryer is so whiny and always has reasons to be upset, and then here's Ashton Kutcher being upset when he's a billionaire, yeah, and he finds that so hard to process, yeah, like why he has a reason to be upset. And Ashton Kutcher, he isn't quite the same character as in that '70s show, but he is a bit dopey. He yeah. does say, perhaps stupid enough. To buy Charlie's house and still let Alan live in it. <laughs> Perhaps. I don't know. I haven't read any spoilers. <laughs> but I think that he might be that stupid. Yeah, a seamless transition <laughs> from having two characters live together in a house. One of them leave. A completely unrelated yeah. character come in, buy that house. Two characters now live together. And everything just continues as normal. Yeah. Yeah, I believed it. <laughs> yeah. Um, he hasn't... Yeah, so... This did I, seem like it was quite a different character to Charlie um, in some ways. He seemed like he actually loved a girl, like he wanted to commit, as opposed to Charlie who never wanted to commit to girls. And how we might be having a sort of a different type of perspective on Two and a Half Men now. But by the end of the episode, it already had a threesome with two girls. So I, I think we're going to just get another character that has a lot of sex. Yeah, I didn't really like how that ended. It didn't seem really to make much sense, considering the type of character they introduced to us. Yeah, it seemed like they were going one direction and then just went back to a Charlie type of character by the end. Yeah, it shows the diversity in the writing skills. <laughs> Two and a half men. It writers. was quite a stretch, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. That said, I in the second half of the episode, I did laugh a few times. I thought uh, Ashton Kutcher was definitely the best part of the episode. Hmm. They even semi managed to pull off a Facebook joke. Now, this is a bit of a pet peeve of mine. I hate in shows or movies they try and make references to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. It's always so forced. They're never funny. They're like, well, we're up to date with social media. You guys were like this. This is a funny topical joke. I will say Social Network was able to pull it off. Uh, that wasn't so much like a offhand forced joke, <laughs> yeah. so much as like a two and a half hour <laughs> drama film. Yeah, okay, yeah, fair enough. But he does make a joke where he says, I'm going to go home and change my Facebook status to not dead yet. Yeah. Which I thought was, like, at least mildly funny after yeah. this failed suicide attempt. 
we are... Um, Considering how mediocre yeah. that is, I suppose you're gauging what my expectations were for yeah. what's yeah, funny yeah. on Two and a Half Men. But still, I thought Ashton Kutcher was the best part of the episode. Did you like the uh, Dharma and Greg cameo? <laughs> I think if you're going to have a Dharma and Greg cameo, it needs to be amongst four or five other equally or higher level yeah. actor <laughs> cameos. Because on its own... Yeah, it did seem a little... Oh, that's a sort of reference from a 90s sitcom that wasn't, like, the most popular sitcom even from the 90s on its own. Like, When I saw that, I thought, oh, here are going to be these different uh, people yeah. coming to look at the open house. We're going to get a bunch of... And I was quite excited by Celebrities that, from, yeah. you know, uh, sitcoms from the same channel as They did have John Men. Stamos on before them um, because he was the person that I had rumoured to replace Charlie earlier on. So you had two cameos, and then it just stopped. I was yeah. expecting more, and the cameos to get bigger and yes. better. Yeah, 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 yeah. When you peak with Dharma and Greg, <laughs> you're going to leave the audience a little unsatisfied. So uh, you don't think the right direction for this show would have been actually to have Dharma and Greg move in <laughs> with Alan and just sort of make it sort of two and a half men and a woman. And you could have had Dharma and Greg, like mixing two and a half men with Dharma and Greg sort of a crossover. You don't think that'll work? Well, uh, if the CSI writers could do it, perhaps Dharma and Greg writers would be better than the Two and a Half Men <laughs> yeah. writers. But no, I still I've seen some Dharma and Greg recently on uh, like repeats. The writers were probably worse on that show <laughs> than the Two and a Half Men writers. That show is so terrible. <laughs> it's definitely at the lower end of the bad sitcoms. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, so back to Ashton Kutcher. I think he was not great. I don't know. I didn't think this episode... But when you said he was the the funniest part about the episode, my first reaction was no. And then I tried to think of something in the episode that was funnier, <laughs> and I couldn't. So... But I just think... I just found it all very average, and I honestly don't think I laughed once in the whole episode. So um, what's, what's your uh, verdict on the improve, deprove... I actually, for all of Charlie Sheen's faults, I think he was actually better than Ashton Kutcher was. Like, I think Charlie Sheen, maybe not the last season, Charlie Sheen did seem a little bit out of it the last season of Two and a Half Men, the bits I saw, but I think when he was at his peak, Charlie Sheen was actually quite good on the show for the lines he was given, and like, not great, but okay, and Ashton Kutcher I think was a bit worse. My opinion is is that if you don't like Two and a Half Men, you're still not going to like Two and a Half Men because no. it's similar kind of jokes, very similar standard yep. of comedy. If you love Two and a Half Men, I don't really care what you think. I can't really relate to you as a human being. <laughs> I'm just going to ignore that category. And if you kind of like Two and a Half Men, you, you'd watch it uh, occasionally if it's on. I think it's worth a go because for me... Although I, I won't continue to watch it because I'm not a fan of the show. I think this was probably one of the better episodes of Two and a Half Men that I've seen. So I think it's you'd be worth it's worth giving Ashton Kutcher so a chance. This is one of the better Two and a Half Men episodes you've ever seen and you didn't laugh at all for the first half of it. That said, Ashton Kutcher wasn't in that first half. Yeah, I know. I know. That's not an Ashton Kutcher comment. That's more a comment on Two and a Half Men. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, he wasn't wearing clothes for a lot of this Ashton Kutcher, um, this episode, 
Um, and that seems to be their selling point at the moment because a lot of the ads I'm seeing, like, are just Ashton Kutcher naked holding up a sign. Um, and on Ellen, I think he took his clothes off too. Like, they seem to think that is the sell point of the show at the moment. Nude Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, that wasn't, those bits weren't particularly funny to me, but obviously, yeah, that's what's going to sell, I suppose. Now, I've got a record on this podcast saying I think John Hamm is hot. (laughs) Um, I don't don't know if Ashton Kutcher's doing anything for me. (laughs) He's got, like, a sort of beard and, like, sort of a bit of a Jesus look going. Like, I'm not sure if, like, I really want to be seeing him naked. But anyway... Oh, you left me so many places to go with that, but yeah. I just <laughs> don't think I should. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, he's he's a little, he's surprisingly shaggy for a billionaire. Yeah. So there we go. We're not sold on two and a half men, but perhaps it's worth giving it a go if you like Ashton Kutcher, because <laughs> I thought he was a mild improvement okay. to the show. I thought he was perhaps a mild step down, but like I think we're both pretty much in agreement that not a huge change to two and a half men. We're, we're quite indifferent. We're sort of yeah. struggling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, this was yeah. the big news one, Ashton Kutcher, so we had to lead with it. Yeah. Like, to... <laughs> Let's move on to The Office. The Office. The show I love. I love The Office. It's had its perhaps week, season or two, but I love this show. It seemed to me that... Although James Spader originally was given the position that uh, Steve Carell and Michael Scott had in the show, he now moved into another position, and the effective replacement for Steve Carell in the show uh, is Andy. Yes. Because he got the most screen time. Yeah. He seems now like the lead in the show. Yeah. Whereas James Spader, I was surprised only to see in a couple of scenes. Yes. Yeah, so it's not quite the same as the other two. James Spader is not taking over as lead, but he is the new addition to the cast uh, that I guess has filled that hole left by Steve Carell, and he is sort of the boss of everyone as well. So he's sort of the boss. He's in the show now. I think if Steve Carell left, this would not have happened. Now, physically, he can fill that hole because he's a much larger man than he than was Steve in practice yeah. since eight. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Once upon a time, oh, he could have been... James Spader was hot in the the practice season eight. Uh, I I think, clearly, we now have to do a a Mary Boff kill (laughs) with uh, Ashton Kutcher, James Spader, and Ted Danson. (laughs) Well, I think that's pretty... Are we talking James Spader, like, practice season eight? Or are we talking James Spader, office season eight? Current. Current. Oh, my. Uh, it's going to be controversial. <laughs> but I think I'm going to um, kill... Uh, I'm going to kill Ashton Kutcher. Yeah. <laughs> marry Ted Danson. And screw James Spader. Oh. Uh, you'd definitely kill Ashton. I mean, he's a pretty good-looking guy. I'd be tempted for one night in the sack with him. But, uh... <laughs> I think uh, I think you got to marry Ted Danson because he's he's gonna have a bit of a bit of cash stacked up after the uh, you know Cheers Becker years and so yeah. on. He's gonna be able to provide for you and uh, James Spader, not quite the looker he once was, but uh, I reckon he'd have some skills. 
<laughs> some skills in the bedroom. So I'm, I'm going to go buff James Spader, marry Ted Danson, kill Ashton Kutcher. So same. So we're yeah, we're in agreement on that. Well, there we go. Um, it was practice season eight. Would have been very easy call. It would have been the, <laughs> sa- the same call. <laughs> so there you go. Um, <laughs> oh, that's good to do. So what did you think of uh, James Spader in the uh, opening, the season opener? Well, uh, it was quite interesting because last season, the season final, had a whole lot of people apply for the job, including James Spader. And to be honest, so comparing James Spader to everyone else, from that episode, my impression was, I hope he gets the job (laughs) because I found him the funniest. Like, I was laughing the most in his scenes than anyone else. He is such a different character to Steve Carell. Um, I heard this in a review, and I think it's quite a a good comment, that Steve Carell didn't know how to make people like him, and he really wanted that. So he was just sort of the whole series trying to get people to like him and struggling to do that. It seems like James Spader turns it on his head a little bit where no one knows how to make James Spader like them... So they're all panicked, trying to impress him and get him to like them. I just he's think sort he's... of an enigmatic, powerful yeah. figure, and yeah. so no one knows what he's thinking, and that's why they're all they all freak out. Yeah, trying to do different things, although they don't, they don't know what's going to work in order to get him yeah. to like them. He sort of speaks in proverbs and riddles, doesn't he? Like these just wise, sort of confusing blend of things that people have to process. Trying to know what angle he's coming from. As well as just blatantly lying. And yeah. yet he's so convincing. When yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. When he couldn't call him out on when he said he, he had the list of names in the columns. Oh, they're just doodles. Yeah. I'm just not a very good artist, so I just write letters and words in people's names and I just order them into... Yeah. Yeah. Pictures. He just brings a completely different element to this show. It's just a blunt confidence. Yeah. And he's got this mystery to him... He's got this, yeah, confidence. He's got these, uh, like it all. He's got these great way of saying things. I just find it so funny and so different, but in a good way. And I actually thought that this season of The Office would be terrible without Steve Carell, or at least could, probably funny stuff from some of the cast. But I thought this could be the end of The Office this year. I'm quite looking forward to this season of The Office with James Spader. I'm excited to watch it. I want to see what this guy gets up to. I would say that I'm perhaps more intrigued than excited. Okay. Because in the episode, I found James Bader interesting. He gave a little bit of a speech towards the end. His closing. Yeah. (laughs) Very Alan Shaw. And I liked that. I thought it was a good performance. But I didn't find him that funny throughout the episode. Like, I, 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 I liked his scenes, but they didn't make me laugh. And so I'm kind of interested to see where they go with it throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. But it didn't have that immediate impact, that just splurge of love for James Spader that I thought I might when I watched the episode. I think the funny thing about his character, Robert California, is not necessarily exactly his, what he says, but actually how that, how people respond to what he says is sort of where the comedy sort of comes from for him. Hmm. Like, it's more the role he's playing on the show rather than... Yeah, I see what you mean. Um, but I think they could add to that yeah. with funny lines of his own. Okay, like, yeah. I think he, he does a good job of, of being an instigator, but yeah. I know James Spader has the ability to be funny as yeah. well. I 
do laugh at some of his lines, though. I do think he is. Like, when he said they're doodles, I thought that was classic. Like, and he's talking about how people doodle. Like, <laughs> I, I am finding him a bit more laugh-out-loud funny than you, I think. So, final verdict. Well, I definitely don't think it's an upgrade from Steve Carell. Yeah. Um, you know, I said how much I love Steve Carell's performance on this show. Uh, but I think it's a good direction for the show to go in, and I'm, yeah. So I think it's a good move. Yeah, I would say the quality of this episode was about par for an episode of The Office. Yeah. But I think it could be a positive overall because by the time you reach season eight, you do need something Hmm. uh, a little different to keep people coming back. It can't just be the same. And I think he offers perhaps a positive direction for the show to go. Yeah, I think the biggest mistake could have been trying to find another Steve Carell, Mm. Michael Scott character. And they haven't done that. I think that's a good sign. Um, it will be interesting to see how much James Spader is in the new season. Yes. I think I already signed on for 15 episodes. So that's not every episode, but it's most. Um, I've been reading a few things that say he's billed as a guest star, but he was in the opening title sequence. Like, he was in the opening credits for The Office, so yes. it looks like he's being treated as a regular member of the cast. Mm. CSI? CSI. Yeah. What, how did you find, uh, firstly, had you seen any of Lawrence Fishburne on CSI? No, the last time I watched CSI, I still William Peterson. Okay, still William Peterson. Were you a fan of William Peterson? I thought he was fairly standard. I'm not sure what, why CSI fans loved him. I didn't think he had that much personality, to be honest. I loved William <laughs> Peterson. <laughs> um, I, I, I think he's one of the great. Uh, <laughs> I'm, making <a> lot of, <laughs> I'm making a lot of big statements in this podcast, but there's a lot of people I really love that we're talking about today. I think William Peterson was one of the best uh, dramatic performances of the past 10 years. <laughs> I just can't get over calling Ted Danson the greatest television. All right, on the spot, Ted Danson or Martin Sheen? Uh whole body of work, I've got to go with Ted Danson. Whoa! As, as, oh, my I, I, pref- I think Munchin's, like, I prefer Munchin's an actor, but as far as, who, like, TV uh, portfolio, I think Ted Danson's got the better one. Um, if you included movies, and I was including Munchin's Apocalypse Now performance, yeah. I would probably then go to Munchin. But if you're just counting TV, <sighs> I have to go with Ted Danson. Wow. Well, I've got to go with range over... What, I can't just base it on one strong performance. It's like 150 episodes of the West Wing or something. It's not just yeah, like but it's the same, same. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like Martin Sheen, like it's not a, it's a close call. <laughs> I don't Anyone who knows Matt, that's huge to give to give anything over Martin Sheen. Unfair. Like I've got to judge it fairly. Yeah, like, I pref- except for when Boardwalk Empire was was trying to beat <laughs> West Wing's like Emmy record. Martin Sheen is uh, the best performance on TV of all time. I think overall, though, Ted Danson's the best uh, the best TV actor of all time because he's, uh, over decades, played five different characters. So, but anyway, uh, I thought William Peterson was really <laughs> great. I, I And I, probably because you didn't watch it all, but actually you got little morsels of his character. Like, it wasn't something like they gave big episodes all about his character, but just, like... I think his performance rewarded fans of the show because it would develop slowly over the course of the series. So what uh, do you think 
Uh, what did you think about Ted Danson putting on the rubber gloves? Well, I'm not a huge fan of CSI, and this particular episode I didn't particularly like either. Hmm. I thought at times there weren't twists or turns or or questions that left you uh, wanting to know what happened. It was more just things weren't explained very well, and that's <laughs> why you wanted to know yeah. what was going to happen in the next scene. Hmm. I thought the introduction of Ted Danson was kind of like, well, we've got to think of a funny, weird way to introduce this hmm. new character, and you just have him lying down in the crime scene as if he's dead, and the guy's like, oh, I thought there were only two people that were dead, but there's this guy. And he, he's asked the same question like four times until he gets it. <laughs> like, Look, you dick, there's Ted Danson. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> The guy with the CSI badge on his yes. back. Yes. <laughs> He's got gloves and the CSI badge. Yeah. Not, oh. Anyway. Um, and, like, when he was walking in, the guy said to him, hey, you're going to love the new boss. <laughs> <laughs> For someone provided with a lot of clues, yeah. <laughs> you'd think a, a CSI <laughs> detective would have been a little bit sharper. Well, uh, I'm picking that up. Anyway. And, and then when he comes up, the guy's like, you're contaminating the crime scene. I think he's your boss. Like, <laughs> he's the boss everyone's been talking to you about. He clearly, even if he is contaminating the crime scene, probably not the first thing you want to say to your new <laughs> boss. Like, get mad at him. Like, <laughs> so, I didn't particularly like the episode as a whole. I thought Ted Danson was interesting because he... It was a, a a different character to the to what I'd seen him play before. It, it wasn't like laugh out loud funny, but he was it was uh, some elements of dry wit here yeah. and there. I thought he was the best. He's the best actor on the show. I, thought, yeah. I liked his performance. Yeah. I believed everything he was he was doing and saying. Was that enough to make me come back to the show? Probably not. Mm-hmm. So, although I won't be watching it again, and I'm not, I'm not that knowledgeable on CSI, I'm going to say it's an improvement because I liked it, Danson. Yeah, um, I agree that it was a pretty average episode of CSI. The cases weren't that interesting. Um, there's obviously a woman having sex with an octopus, which was very exciting. Like I'd never seen that on TV <laughs> before. But aside from that, a pretty like, you know, nothing that interesting about the cases. Um, I thought Ted Danson uh, was, was pretty good. I think, um, no surprise, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I thought he was really uh, strong. I thought he adds a bit of more humour to the show and a bit more energy. Like, I think with the... the um, Lawrence Fishman was a bit of a downer. Like, he was a bit of a Debbie Downer, always going on about important things and stuff. Like, Ted Danson's, I think, going to bring a bit of spark to the lab, which I think will be good. Because... That's something William Peterson had. He was actually quite a funny, quirky guy. And I think you need that sort of quirkiness for a show like CSI, especially after it's been on for so long. So I think I'm going to keep watching, actually. I'm going to keep on seeing Ted Danson in CSI. And, you know, it might be like uh, Lawrence Fishburne, where I stop watching half a season in if it's not really going anywhere. But I'm definitely going to give it a go. Um so, yeah, I was pretty impressed by uh, Ted Danson. I would say a definite upgrade from Lawrence Fishburne. 
Although I love William Peterson. So if you're comparing to William Peterson, I, I would at the moment say I think William Peterson will probably still be the best CSI lead, but but we'll see. We'll see what Ted can do. If any actor if any actor can do a better performance than William Peterson on CSI, <laughs> it's the greatest TV actor of all time. So we'll see. But at the moment I'm not prepared to say better. So of these three shows which do you think has made the best casting decision? I would say that CSI has uh, made the best improvement uh, to the show. So they've made the biggest step up. But I would say The Office has the best character of the three. I would I prefer James Spader's Robert California to Ted Danson's TV Russell and Ashton Kutcher's billionaire naked guy. <laughs> yeah, I think while CSI and Two and a Half Men have improved the most, they were coming from a, a much lower yeah. place in the office. Uh, so I think if you're at, at all interested in those shows, uh, keep watching or give them a go because I thought it was an improvement. But if you're looking for a show for me to just recommend on a whole, it's The Office. Yeah, mm, for sure. So uh, there we go. Let's quickly recap the Emmys. Um, <laughs> From one screen verdict to another. Yes. Uh, the Emmys, obviously, we don't want to bury the lead. There was some huge news at the Emmys. A very exciting um, a very exciting win. Julie Bowen has won, <laughs> has won the Emmy for Best Supporting Actress in a Comedy Series. Julie Bowen, Emmy winner. Someone who I am surprised that has ever been mentioned by Screen Verdict has now come back for the third podcast in a row. She just won't die. Yeah, she won an Emmy, everybody, from one family. Uh, We can acknowledge that now and and just move on. I knew you'd be excited. Um, That was one of the big upsets of the night. Everyone was thinking it was Betty White versus Emmy host Jane Lynch. So that was obviously the big news at the Emmys. It was not all fun and games, though, at the Emmys. <laughs> there was some pretty tragic news. And that is in the lead actor comedy race where Steve Carell lost the Emmy to Jim Parsons from The Big Bang Theory. Now, in our last podcast, you said you'd only ever cried once while watching television, and that was Steve Carell's performance leaving the office. Yeah. You've now cried twice while watching the television, <laughs> having to watch Jim Parsons take the Emmy over Steve Carell. Yes. This is, I think, one of the biggest Emmy crimes of all time, that Steve Carell has never won an Emmy for playing Michael Scott. Like, I think this is... The category of lead actor in a comedy series is all the poorer for not having this character on their list of winners. Yeah, in terms of history's greatest injustices, the Holocaust, Arrested Development getting cancelled, and now this. Yes. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, And I I actually would equate this um, to... Martin Sheen never winning for the West Wing. I think this is the the comedy side of that coin of Emmy's biggest crimes. Martin Sheen never winning lead actor for drama series after six nominations. 
Steve Carell never winning for lead actor in a comedy series after six nominations. And they both submit their series final for their last last crack at it and they they don't get it. Very disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I I did say on the podcast that I was very worried Jim Parsons would win. Um, and he did. I also said that Jim Parsons was the only thing I liked about the Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Not much anymore. <laughs> Not a big Jim Parsons fan anymore. <laughs> no, I, that, that really... If that didn't happen at the Emmys, I would have been completely happy with the Emmys this year. Not not everyone that I wanted to won, but that sort of... Um, there was one other sort of shock, I would yeah, say. Yeah, on the comedy side. The lead actress in Yes, the that was a shock. And not necessarily a shock I was happy with. Um, Melissa McCarthy from Mike and Molly. I was not rating her chances at all in this race. This is probably the... If people were taking my advice for their Emmy tips, where I would have steered them the most astray. <laughs> I think all the other predictions I made, either the person I said would win one, or one of the people I said had a chance won. She was the only one that I was really off base on. I think she perhaps would have been my last choice. I'm a pretty huge fan of Tina Fey and Amy Poehler. Yeah, I was definitely on the Amy Poehler train. Like, she's the one I wanted to win. I would have been fine with Laura Linney winning, who was the favourite. I thought that was a good performance, um, even if it's not my cup of tea. Um, I probably would have been disappointed with anyone else winning. Oh, Plimpton had a good tape, so maybe. But McCarthy, this was the other thing I probably didn't like about the Emmys. But since, like, I wasn't that, like, Poehler's going to have more chances to win in the future... No one else in this category I'm feeling that passionate about. So it wasn't the heartbreaking moment that the Steve Carell loss was. It was sort of more, oh, they went with her, that's a bit of an average choice. But I wasn't he invested in this race anyway. Now, of the main awards, the, the ten awards that we reviewed in our last podcast, yeah. of those ten, two of my my favourites won. Yes. So I'll go through those. The first one was... Ty uh, Burrell. Ty Burrell for Supporting Actor. Mm. Not even that much of a Modern Family fan, but all yeah. the nominees, he was my favourite. Well, you sort of had to have a Modern Family actor as your favourite in that race, because yeah. they pretty much were all Modern Family actors. Yeah. Uh, but I'm pleased that my favourite one won. Yeah, no, that was cool. Um, uh, and maybe while we're on Modern Family, they took out the writing, the directing, and the comedy series award. As well they, as best they supporting they actor swept. and actress, yeah. yeah they, so they took everything they were up Five, for. five from five. Uh, and after not winning any of the creative arts the week before. So they really had a good night, Modern Family. Are you happy with that, Modern Family sweep? <laughs> Um, not overly, but I suppose at least it wasn't Big Bang Theory. Yeah. <laughs> that took all of those. Yeah, pretty much all the, the... Okay, so the only comedies that won awards at the uh, Emmys last week was Modern Family, The Big Bang Theory, and Mike and Molly. There are three Emmy-winning shows on I the comedy I guess side. it was the lesser of three evils. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this brings me to the one actual highlight of the Emmys for me. Mm -hmm. Yep. Best Supporting Actor in a Drama Series went to Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones. Yeah. It was by far the the award that I was most passionate about, most excited to see. And he wasn't the favourite. He was was kind of the dark horse. He was was up there, but wasn't the favourite. No. And he won the Emmy, Mm. and I was so pleased. And 
he gave a great acceptance speech, and um, yeah, that was definitely the uh, the best part of the show. For yeah, me. that that was pretty cool. Like, um, I think I'd said in the podcast, I wouldn't have minded if Dinklage, Slattery, or Josh Charles won, and probably Dinklage would have been my third choice. But to be honest, they were all pretty close, and. Um, actually, for the past, I think, 12 years, you've had different winners um, each year in that category um, uh, for supporting action and drama, and they have all been amazing performances. You know, you've got, I think, four actors from The West Wing, you've got two of The Sopranos guys, you've got uh, Denny Crane in that category, mm-hmm. you've got Locke and uh, Ben Linus from Lost, you've got... Um, two best Lost characters. Yeah, in my yeah, opinion. yes. Uh, Zelko Ivanek from Damages. Yeah, well, um, uh, you've got um, Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad. You haven't gotten mm. into that show yet, but like, it's just a really impressive list of like. You compare that to the supporting actor in an Oscar race list. <laughs> it's a better list. These are better performances <laughs> that are winning this award uh, year after year. And Dinklage is, I think. So it's great for him to be on that list from his perspective. I think it's also the Emmys keeping that list respectable and intact and a good list. Uh, supporting actress went to Margot Martindale from uh, Justified. I pretty much called that one. Lead actress went to Juliana Margulies from The Good Wife. That was not who I was predicting, but pretty expected. Um, we had an interesting thing happen um, at the Emmys. And that was, um, we saw a surge of support for Friday Night Lights. (laughs) Um, It uh, won writing against the suitcase episode of Mad Men that uh, everyone's talking about. Features a suitcase. Yeah, there's a suitcase in it. Yeah, (laughs) we won't tell you what the suitcase is for. So you have to use your imagination or watch the episode. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it beat the suitcase. Everyone was saying, oh, suitcase has this in the bag. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and Friday Night Lights final won that upset there John Hamm had his suitcase episode that everyone was saying would win in the Emmy Kyle Chandler upsets him with the Friday Night Lights final <laughs> uh, big shock although I, I thought he had a good chance um, if you had if I was able to change my prediction right before that drama series envelope opened I may have changed my prediction of Friday Night Lights because <laughs> Um, but anyway, luckily I wasn't allowed to do that because Mad Men did win. <laughs> After Mad Men only won two Emmys this year, drama series and hairstyling. And it's never won an acting award. Never. Which oh. is quite interesting to me, seeing as the show relies quite heavily on mm. performances, seeing yeah. as no story development occurs whatsoever. <laughs> And it's not really a flashy action special effects type no. show. Uh. It's pretty much all the dialogue and performance. And, ha- fact- and hairstyling. <laughs> and hairstyling. <laughs> They've <laughs> never lost the hairstyling award. And Christina Hendricks' figure. Yeah. It's won four Best Drama Series awards without winning an acting award. Do you think that's hard perhaps for some ensemble shows to get an acting award? Because, like, it's not like The Good Wife is very centred around Juliana Margulies. Um, because, like, we saw The Office, an actor has never won for The Office. That's another big ensemble cast. An actor's never uh, won for Arrested Development when that was on. That was just sort of an Emmy-winning ensemble cast. Like, I think there are degrees of the term ensemble yeah. cast. Mm-hmm. I 
don't think Mad Men has that large an ensemble. I think, yeah. you know, John Hamm gets enough screen time in order yes. to be considered like a strong lead. Yes. You know, the, the Sopranos was an ensemble cast and it did very well. Yeah. In terms of acting awards. So I, I don't... family. <laughs> I don't think it's done... I don't think it's unfairly okay, treated. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, so Mad Men, Big Night. Batman has joined uh, the West Wing, LA Law, and Hill Street Blues as a four-time drama series winner. So uh, that's quite an accomplishment for, uh, for mine, a great show. So that's really cool to see them in that club. Fortunately, after a year off, the best drama show on TV will be eligible <laughs> next year's Emmy Awards. Damages. damages. Yeah. So hopefully it can stem the tide. With, with John Goodman. With Emmy Magnet John Goodman. <laughs> well, by Emmy Magnet, I mean he's won one Emmy. Um, but anyway, still, good guy. So, <laughs> I think people like John Goodman. Um, yeah, so, uh, now obviously we had the big Boardwalk Empire news. Um they were on seven awards going into the Emmys. Um, they need to win two more to equal West Wing's record. Screen verdict listeners can breathe a sigh of relief. <laughs> um, they only won one. They won for Martin Scorsese. They dominated the Creative Arts Awards, won more than any shows ever won there before, but but uh, really, really, that shows all technical achievement. No, <laughs> <laughs> nothing else, because it won directing but did not win any of the acting awards or drama series. Very good news. Yeah, I suppose I was a little indifferent to that. I, yeah. I didn't care that much about the record, but, you know, if you force me to pick, do I want Boardwalk, Empire, or West Wing to have the award? You know, I'm fine with West Wing. Okay, good. That's good to hear. <laughs> uh, any last any thoughts? I thought the show was reasonably entertaining. Yeah. I was. I didn't have much hopes for Jane Lynch as a host. But I thought she was quite funny. A lot of comments she made seemed, uh, like, improved, and they, they, were, they were quite good. She was funny. In terms of the awards, I didn't do too well in terms of my favourites, but um, there's always next year. Yeah, it was a good night for me. Unless you're Steve Carell. Yes. <laughs> well, hopefully he'll do a guest role on The Office and win guest actor. But, yeah, no, for me, um, drama side, it was a great night. Because uh, pretty much the awards were dominated by... Like, when you look at the awards, Friday Night Lights, Mad Men, and Game of Thrones won most of them. And I love all those. They're my probably three favourite drama shows from the year. Mm. Um, then you've got, I don't know, Julianne Margulies and Martin Scorsese one. They're good. Like, I like them too. Uh, comedy side, look, I much prefer The Office and Parks and Rec, but I'm fine with Modern Family winning those awards. <laughs> it's a respectable choice. Um, and just a bit upset with Mike and Molly's Melissa McCarthy winning and devastated with Steve Carell not winning. So that's really the only blight on the Emmys for me is that Steve Carell thing. A little unsatisfied. I guess our screen verdict is, uh, yeah, could, could have been worse. Yeah. <laughs> so there's our screen verdicts on Two and a Half Men, The Office, CSI, and this weekend's Emmy Awards. Yes. A bit is. of a mixed bag, but uh, yeah. hopefully... There was something uh, in those for all of you and um, and in this podcast. Yeah. And uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Yeah, maybe Return of Jafar podcast, perhaps. <laughs> maybe it's some... When we can't think of something to do, I think that will be our fallback. We podcast. can only turn down the cries from the, the listeners for a Return <laughs> of the Jafar podcast for so long. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be... It will be coming at yes. some point yeah. in the next... Well... <laughs> 